Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading from a book today called The Private Key to Heaven, written by Thomas Brooks, the English nonconformist preacher and writer who died in 1860. The key to heaven is private prayer, according to Mr. Brooks. He uh, is advocating that we all pray more in private. But there are objections. He knows that there are going to be objections, and he begins to list them now. One of the objections is, we are too busy. Many will be ready to object and say, we have much business upon our hands. We cannot spare time for private prayer. We have so much to do in our shops, in our warehouses, and and abroad with others that we cannot spare time to wait upon the Lord in our closets. Now, to this objection, I shall give these eight answers, and I have to add here that I will only be giving the first five today, that this objection may never have a resurrection more in any of your hearts. Number one, your situation is no worse than that of great men in the Bible. First, what are all those businesses that are upon your hands to those businesses and weighty affairs that rely upon the hands of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David, Daniel, Elijah, Nehemiah, Peter, Cornelius. And yet you find all these worthies exercising themselves in private prayers. And the king is commanded every day to read some part of God's word, notwithstanding all his great and weighty employments. Deuteronomy 17. Now, certainly, sirs, your great businesses are little more than ciphers, zeros compared with theirs. And if there were any on earth that might have pleaded an exemption from private prayer upon the account of business, of much business, of great business, these might have done it. But they were more honored and honest and more noble than to neglect so choice a duty upon the account of much business. These brave hearts made all their public employments stoop to private prayer. They would never suffer their public employments to tread private prayer underfoot. Objection number two, prayer brings great blessing to outward affairs. Secondly, I answer, no man's outward affairs did ever more prosper than theirs did, who devoted themselves to private prayer, notwithstanding their many and great worldly employments. Witness the prosperity and outward flourishing estates of Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Nehemiah, David, Daniel, Cornelius, These were much with God in their closets, and God blessed their blessings to them. How did their cups overflow? What signal favors did God heap upon them and theirs? No families have been so prospered, protected, and graced as theirs who have maintained secret communion with God in a corner. Private prayer doth best expedite our temporal affairs. He that prays well in his closet shall be sure to speed well in his shop, or at his plough, or whatever else he turns his hand unto. It is true, Abimelech was rich as well as Abraham, and so was Laban rich as well as Jacob, and Saul was a king as well as David, and Julian was an emperor as well as Constantine, but it was only Abraham, Jacob, David, and Constantine who had their blessings blessed unto them. All the rest had their blessings cursed unto them. They had many good things, but they had not the good will of him that dwelt in the bush with what they had. 
and therefore all their mercies were but bitter sweets unto them. Though all the sons of Jacob returned laden from Egypt with corn and money in their sacks, yet Benjamin only had the silver cup in the mouth of his sack. And so, though the men of the world have their corn and their money, yet it is only God's Benjamins that have the silver cup, the grace cup, the cup of blessing, as the apostle calls it, for their portion. O sirs, as ever you would prosper and flourish in the world, as ever you would have your water turned into wine, your temporal mercies into spiritual benefits, be much with God in your closets. Three, objection, you are not too busy to waste time on vanities of this world. Uh, Thirdly, I answer, it is ten to one, but that the objector every day fools away or trifles away or idles away or sins away one hour in a day. Why then should he object the want of time? There are none that toil and moil and busy themselves most in their worldly employments, but do spend an hour or more in a day to little or no purpose, either in gazing about or in dallying or toying or courting or in telling of stories or in busying themselves in other men's matters or in idle visits or in smoking the pipe, etc. And why then should not these men redeem an hour's time in a day for private prayer out of that time which they usually spend so vainly and idly? Can you, notwithstanding all your great worldly employments, find an hour in the day to catch flies in as Domitian the emperor did, and to play the fool in? Can you not find an hour in the day to wait on God in your closets? There were three special faults whereof Cato professed himself to have seriously repented, Cato being the Roman soldier and senator and historian. One was passing by water when he might have gone by land. Another was trusting a secret in a woman's bosom. But the main was spending an hour unprofitably. This heathen will one day rise up in judgment against them who, notwithstanding their great employments, spend many hours in a week unprofitably and yet cry out with the Duke of Alva, that was the Spanish noble, general, and diplomat, that they have no uh, so much to do on earth that they have no time to look up to heaven it was a base and sordid spirit in that king sardanapalus that's the legendary king of assyria who spent much of his time among women in spinning and carding which uh, should have been spent in ruling and governing his kingdom carding being the separating of fibers of wool and cotton and so on So it is a base, sordid spirit in any to defend any of their time in toying and trifling and then to cry out that they have so much business to do in the world that they have no time for closet prayer and they have no time to serve God, nor do they to save their own precious and immortal souls. Number four, and I've been calling these objections. These are objections to the objections, okay? So the objection is... Uh, We're just too busy. The answer, number four, to that objection is you will not plead this objection in the great day of account. No man dares plead this objection before the Lord Jesus in the great day of account. Why then should any man be so childish and foolish, so ignorant and impudent to plead that before men which is not pleadable before the judgment seat of Christ? Sirs, 
I, as you, love your souls, and as you would be happy forever, never put off your own consciences nor others with any pleas, arguments, or objections now that you dare not own and stand by when you shall lie upon a dying bed and when you shall appear before the whole court of heaven in the great day of account when the secrets of all hearts shall be made manifest and God shall call men to a reckoning before angels, men, and devils. For the neglect of private prayer, all guilty persons will be found speechless. There will not be a man or woman found that shall dare to stand up and say, Lord, I I would have waited upon you in my closet, uh, but I had so much business to do in the world that I had no time to enjoy secret communion with you in a corner. It is the greatest wisdom in the world to plead nothing by way of excuse in this our day that we dare not plead in the great day. Fifth answer, it is our duty to redeem time for prayer from other responsibilities. I answer that it is our duty to redeem from time all our secular businesses for private prayer. All sorts of Christians, whether bond or free, rich or poor, high or low, superiors or inferiors, are expressly charged by God to redeem time for prayer, for private prayer, as well as for other holy exercises. Colossians 4, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. But here, some may object and say, we have so much business to do in the world that we have no time for prayer. The apostle answers this objection in verse 5, walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. And then in Ephesians, redeeming the time because the days are evil. The Greek means buying out, gaining the time. The words are a metaphor taken from merchants who prefer the least profit that may be gained before their pleasures or delights, closely following their business while the markets are at best. A merchant, when he comes to a mart or fair, takes the first season and opportunity of buying his commodities. He puts it not off to the hazard of an evening or to the next morning in hopes to have a better bargain, but he improves the present season and buys before the market is over. Others carry the words thus, quote, Purchase at any rate all occasions and opportunities of doing good, that so you may thereby in some sort Redeem that precious jewel of time which you have formerly lost. As travelers that have loitered, excuse me, by the way, or stayed long at their inn when they uh, find night coming upon them, they mend their pace and go as many miles in an hour as they did before in many. Though time let slip is physically irrecoverable, yet in a moral consideration it is accounted as regained when men double their care, their diligence, <coughs> excuse me, and endeavors to redeem it. The best Christian is he that is the greatest monopolizer of time for private prayer. No Christian is better than he who redeems time from his worldly occasions and his lawful comforts and recreations to be with God in his closet. David, having tasted of the sweetness, goodness, and graciousness of God, 
cannot keep his bed, but will borrow some time from his sleep, that he might take some turns in paradise and pour out his soul in prayer and praises. When no eye was open to see him, nor no ear open to hear him, but all were asleep round about him. At midnight will I arise to give thanks unto thee. I prevented the dawning of the morning, and I cried. Psalm 119. David was up and at private prayer before daybreak. David was no sluggish Christian, no slothful Christian, no lazy Christian. He used to be in his closet when others were sleeping in their beds. He said, My eye prevents the night watches that I might meditate in thy word. My soul waits for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Look as the weary sentinel in a dark, cold, wet night waits and peeps and peeps and waits for the appearance of the morning. So David did wait and peep and peep and wait for the first and fittest season to pour out his soul before God in a corner. David would never suffer his worldly business to jostle out holy exercises. He would often borrow time from the world for private prayer, but he would never borrow time from private prayer to bestow it upon the world. Mr. Bradford, the martyr, he's talking about John Bradford, the English reformer, (coughs) counted that that hour lost, wherein he did not sum good, either with his pen, his tongue, or his purse. Ignatius, when he heard a clock strike, would used to say, Now I have one hour more to answer for. And so the primitive Christians would redeem some time from their sleep that they might be with God in their closets. And I have read of Theodosius, the emperor, that after the variety of worldly employments relating to his civil affairs in the daytime were over, he was wont to consecrate the greatest part of the night to the studying of the scriptures and private prayer, to which purpose he had a lamp so skillfully made that it supplied itself with oil so that he might no way be interrupted in his private retirements. That time ought to be redeemed is a lesson that has been taught by the very heathens themselves. It was the saying of Pittacus, the Greek statesman and military leader, one of the seven wise men. He said, No time, K-N-O-W, no time, lose not a minute. Um, Theophrastus used to say, Time is of precious cost. Seneca, time is the only thing that we can be innocently covetous of. And yet there is nothing of which many are more lavishly and profusely prodigal. That was Seneca. Crestus, a sophister of Byzantium in the time of Hadrianus, the emperor. He was much given to wine, yet he always counted time so precious that when he had misspent his time all the day, he would redeem it at night. When Titus Vespasian, who revenged Christ's blood on Jerusalem, returned victor to Rome, remembering one night as he sat at supper with his friends that he had done no good that day, he uttered this memorable and praiseworthy statement. My friends, I have lost a day. Chilo, one of the seven sages, being asked what was the hardest thing in the world to be done, he answered, to use and employ a man's time well. Cato held that an account must be given not only of our labor, but also of our leisure, 
And Eileen gives this testimony of the Lacedaemonians that they were hugely covetous of their time, spending it all about necessary things, suffering no citizen either to be idle or play. And saith another, we trifle with that which is most precious, we throw away that which is our greatest interest to redeem. Certainly these heathens will rise in judgment, not only against Domitian, the Roman emperor, who spent much of his time in killing flies, not only against Archimedes, who spent his time in drawing lines on the ground when Syracuse was taken, nor against Artaxerxes, who spent his time in making halves for knives, nor only against Soliman, the great Turk, who spent his time in making notches of horn for bows, or against Aeropus, a Macedonian king who spent his time in making of lanterns, and not against Hyrcanus, the king of Parthia, who spent his time catching of moles, but also against many professors, professing Christians. Instead of redeeming the time, they trifle and fool away much of their precious time at the mirror, the comb, the lute, the vial, the pipe, or at vain sports, foolish pastimes, or by idle jestings, immoderate sleeping, and superfluous feasting. Oh, sirs, good hours and blessed opportunities for closet prayer are merchandise of the highest rate and price. And therefore, whosoever has a mind to be rich in grace and to be high in glory should buy up that merchandise. They should be still a redeeming precious time. Sirs, we should redeem time for private prayer out of our eating time, our drinking time, our sleeping time, our buying time, our selling time, our sinning time, our sporting time, rather than neglect our closet communion with God. Amen. Thomas Brooks. Thank you for listening. Do look around the site. We have 3,500 audios featuring some of the church's excuse me, great preachers, persecution stories from North Korea in English, Korean, Bible studies on a number of subjects, and a blog. And if you want more fellowship, consider buying one of my books at Amazon.com. Contact me at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com. I'll tell you about our Zoom meetings on Saturday and Tuesday. By the way, everything that I've just mentioned is a good way, I think, to spend your time. I hope you will be able to spend some of it with yours truly. And thank you that I could share some with you today. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and this audio is being released on the... Uh, well, I have to look at my calendar today because we do these in advance. On the 17th of March, 2023. God bless you. Hope to talk to you soon. Bye-bye.